Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have an excellent show for today with a fantastic guest, freestyle ski champion and motivating public speaker, Jamie Mocrazy. Jamie went from being one of the world's most celebrated freestyle skiers to relearning how to perform the simplest physical activities after a skiing accident that left her in a coma for 10 days. Today she motivates audiences around the world proving that they can accomplish miracles if they're willing to take a baby step each day. On today's episode, Jamie discusses the aftermath of her skiing accident and how she went about relearning basic functions such as walking, and how it was the small goals, the attainable goals that she set that motivated her along the way. Jamie reflects on how going back to school helped in her recovery process. And finally, Jamie discusses her future goals and plans and and how she wants to make an impact as a public speaker. Really, really enjoyed my conversation with Jamie. She has an energizing personality and her story of recovery is truly unforgettable. She's inspirational and incredibly thankful for her being on the show. So let's go ahead and bring on Freestyle Sea Champion an inspirational public speaker, Jamie Mocrazy, and let's learn. As a skier, you won the Junior World Championships at age 18. So what are your earliest memories of being on the slopes? Well, I started skiing when I was a year old. So mm-hmm. I don't remember learning how to ski, but some of my first memories was just loving it. Yeah. I loved being outside, the adrenaline rush. I thought it was so fun and just going really fast. One of my first memories actually, which has been enhanced from this story being told so many times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was four years old, I was doing a comp competition and it was who got the most runs Mm -hmm. and so we were going up this little double lift and the runs and um the lift stopped and Mm. i was right at the top so i wasn't too high up but it stopped and i was so upset that i couldn't get off so i just jumped off the lift into the snow and then i started coming down and my mom was actually um working recording everyone's runs because i was on a little little kids team yeah and she recorded me and then i went off and i went up and then the coaches came down and were like oh my gosh have you seen jamie what happened to jamie oh, mom was like oh i just i just saw her like what happened to jamie and they were like she jumped off the lift mm-hmm. and my mom was like oh well she seemed perfectly fine to me <laughs> And then I had the most runs, so I'm very competitive, and that was one of the start of my competition days. <laughs> and it, did you avoid ski patrol? Did they come looking after you for that? Right? No, no ski patrol came, but luckily it's not like it was. It was a little New Hampshire resort. Okay. I think now if uh, I ski at Park City, if I jumped off the lift at Park City. I haven't done that since I was four years old, jumped off a lift, but they would get so mad because oh, it was yeah. at the top, so it's not too high, but yeah. they would arrest me probably <laughs> or something. <laughs> the last time I was on a lift, they got mad at me for putting the, the bar up too quick. Yeah, they, they, can, they can get mad at you for everything. Although when you're four years old, you get in a lot less trouble for things. <laughs> yeah, you're cute and innocent as far as devious and planning. So Yeah. Your story is tremendous, and I don't really have an appropriate question to lead into it. So basically, would you give us the backstory of the accident? Yeah. So 
I was a competitive slope style and half pipe skier. Slope style is multiple jumps and rails and you mm -hmm. do tricks and you get judged on your overall impression. And half pipe is half of a tube made out of snow and you do tricks on either side. X Games. I was mm -hmm. an X Games athlete. I yeah. went to X Games. And then in on April 11th, 2015, I was competing at World Tour Finals. And when I was up there, I got uh, fourth place my first run. You have two runs and they mm -hmm. take your best run and fourth place. Like I said at the beginning, I'm ambitious and that didn't cut it for me. Yeah. No podium. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's you're not top three. No one remembers you. Exactly. So I had to upgrade and change my run and take my off axis backflip to an off axis double backflip. Yeah. And I had been competing double flips for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Two years prior, I had actually become the first female in the world to compete a double flip at X Games, which was really exciting. And so I loved, loved to flip. I was a retired gymnast and my goal was to do gymnastics on snow. And so it, it seemed all good. Yeah. On that run, though, I gave my little sister a hug and I dropped in. She was there to compete in half the next day. And when I got to that feature she did not see me hit the next jump because of the snow and she still didn't see me hit the next jump. And then she heard the radio crackle to life. We need all hands on deck and yeah. a helicopter on standby. Wow. In the flash of an eye, both of our lives instantly changed. She was thrust into a caregiver role, mm -hmm. a role that no one intends to take. <laughs> you, you don't, trained to be a caregiver there's yeah. there's no law school there's there's no medical school you're just thrust into mm -hmm. that and also i became a traumatic brain injury survivor so at that time i when she skied over the 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 mountain and she saw me i was convulsing spewing blood and my eyes were rolled back in my head and actually, when I was airlifted to Vancouver General Hospital, my fatality report was written because the expectations of my survival through the night were so low. And you had done the trick many times before, so this was nothing that you were doing differently because of the competition. Right. It, it, and, to, and to speak of that, um, there is a young boy who a few years ago he actually passed away in australia mm -hmm. at a training camp and he could do double flips he could do all sorts of tricks and he passed away doing a 360 he just landed the 360 caught his edge yeah. and the whiplash of smashing your head onto the snow that whiplash mm -hmm. is what caused him to go into a coma and then he never came out of the coma yeah. so it's kind of remarkable that i was doing a double flip when i crashed but it could have been any trick. It, it was just random. It was could have been jumping off a ski lift. Exactly. It was mm. a very unexpected trauma. And I've actually, um, I'm the only person in the, my family and in the world who's actually seen footage of it because mm. my family doesn't want to watch it and we have not shared it to the public. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it's going to be fine basically mm -hmm. until it looks really scary and I'm just so limp. Yeah. Um, but I've had a lot of falls that are a lot more serious, like upfront, like they look like, like uh, at Mount hood speaking of double flips again, but a double backflip, it had been getting warm. I was up there for a film event and, um, it, it was getting warm during the day. So I was hitting it in the morning. It was fine. 
took the same speed midday and both of my skis hit the knuckle and mm. they popped off and I just slid down on my stomach and I was a hundred percent fine. Like not even bruised. Yeah. And I went back up and hit the jump again. Um, but the, but the, it looked way more intense, which yeah. happens a lot of times with people is what is more traumatic to them. It doesn't have that visibility of being the worst thing that's going to happen. And other yeah. people don't always recognize what's affecting you the most. During your recovery, you had to relearn basic human functions like walking and even drinking water in the days and weeks following the accident. What was your mindset? What were you thinking long term? The mindset of my recovery is something that I'm really passionate about sharing with Mo Crazy Strong, our brand as well. And a lot of it came from my mama fruit. <laughs> we call her mama fruit from the times when I was waking up from the coma, but she refused to let anybody speak negatively in front of me and anyone say that I was definitely going to have negative outcomes. And if they believed that, they could say it other places. But she understood psychology. She, she has a master's in psychology. And also, she understood neuroplasticity, which is that you can rebuild your synaptic connections in your brain, um, which means that your deficits are not permanent. You can heal from them. And a lot of people don't fully understand this concept. They're beginning to a lot more now. Um, but so she would say... Like she just would tell me to, to set goals and do attainable goals and think of like I would have all these growth goals in my mind. The growth goals are really big. And at the time when I would set those growth goals, I had no way to get there. For example, I wanted to go back to skiing. And at the time when I decided I was definitely going to go back to skiing, I could not walk upstairs. Um, I actually couldn't walk up anything because I was in a wheelchair. So the growth goal of going back to skiing was very far away. Mm -hmm. And so I had to set attainable goals, which were actions that I could accomplish during the day that I set them. So one of the examples of that is when I started to walk. And the first time I walked up one flight of stairs, it took me an hour to walk up the stairs and I needed help walking up the stairs. People had to support me. And so I would practice and I would do it every single day. And I'd walk a little faster, a little farther, a little faster, a little farther. And that's what happens when you set attainable goals is that you can build off of them and then you can reach your growth goals that you have. Did you know at the time how severe your injury was? And some of the ramifications, I know you, you said your mom was not letting people talk negatively in front. So were you aware of the potential negative outcomes? No. <laughs> um, actually, at the time of my accident, when I was in the hospital, so I had serious, when I woke up from the coma, I had serious amnesia for six weeks. I had absolutely no memory. So I didn't know who anyone was and I didn't know what was happening. And then when my mind started to come back, um, I did not know that I was in a hospital. So my room was decorated. My mom was living in my room and it was decorated. There's pictures all over the place. I even had a hammock <laughs> in my room. And the nurse would actually ask me every day, she would say, Jamie, do you know where you are? And I would respond, yeah, I'm in a movie about a hospital. Mm. I, I could not talk nearly as articulate as I am right now to you. So it was more like, yeah, I'm, I'm on a movie about hospital. It's yeah. really fun. It's like, look at all my pictures and my hammock. It's just so cool. Wow. And finally, my mom said, 
Well, technically, Jamie, at this point, you're in inpatient rehab. So you're technically not really in the hospital anymore, but it would go over much better if next time the nurse asks you, you tell her you're in the hospital. Yeah. So the next time she said, Jamie, where are you? And I said, I'm supposed to tell you I'm in a hospital. And she goes, yes, Jamie knows where she is. And I go, mommy, I'm not really in a hospital though. And I think part of that, it's kind of a humorous story, um, my denial to believe that. And then once I, I left, like at that time, I seriously thought that I was not in a hospital. I seriously thought that I was in a movie about a hospital. I went to acting school. I I love movies. I want to be in a movie about the hospital. (laughs) Um, And we're working on that. So it was just, I was seeing the future. (laughs) Um, But once I left the hospital, I did kind of begin to understand that I had been in the hospital. I had had this really bad accident. I had had potentially changes in my life. At that time, I still thought I was going to go back to competing in skiing. And I, mm. I kind of equivalented it with a torn ACL. Yeah. And lots of skiers tear their ACL. And you take the season off and then you come back. And um, so I, didn't, I still didn't fully grasp it until I went up to Whistler for my one-year anniversary. And I saw... I met my first responders and they treated me phenomenally. Um, I was at the World Ski and Snowboard Festival when I, I crashed in the slope style competition at the World Ski and Snowboard Festival. And so they, they, they were, everyone knew about it. Mm-hmm. And my first responders would tell me to my face, yeah, we wrote up your fatality report because we mm-hmm. thought you were going to die. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I still get shivers and yeah. chills because at that moment was when I began to realize what had happened. And I also began to realize during my whole recovery process, how important your mindset is. And so the fact that I knew I was going to be okay. And then I also took the steps to get there and I accepted support. I had incredible support from my family, organizations, um, people worldwide. And so accepting support, and believing you're going to make it and taking the steps to get there, how important that is. And so that's when I decided that I was going to make speaking my profession because I love to talk and I have a story that can change people's lives. It's a tremendous story and you're definitely a motivation to many mentally and emotionally probably just as difficult as the actual physical changes that were going on. What were the certain landmark moments that did occur along the way that you experienced Honestly, for me, mentally, emotionally was harder than physical Mm -hmm. by far because I had been an athlete my whole life. I was used to pushing myself beyond the boundaries of what I could do. So for me to accomplish something that I had never done before was like standard. Like I had, so (laughs) that was very comfortable for me. Mm. Emotionally, when I found out that my life had changed, I was no longer competing. I didn't know what I was going to do. That was really difficult. And also with a traumatic brain injury, all of your emotions are in your head. And when your head is damaged, your emotions are affected, which is why they have this, all this attention to football players with the multiple concussion syndrome when they become emotionally deranged because it does affect your emotions. So I had both those playing for me. 
And it was actually really challenging. And one memory specifically that I have from that is lying in bed one morning, the first winter after, and I had gone back to skiing a little bit with the National Ability Center, which is a center that deals with cognitive and physical disabilities. But I was lying there and I was wondering, why should I wake up? Why should I get up? I have nothing to do. And so I really struggled emotionally. I would cry multiple times a day. And the two things, main things that I did to deal with that is I went back to college and I went to a therapist. And both of those two things, I definitely did not want to do. <laughs> so when, again, Mama Fruit, <laughs> she is shout a therapist. Shout out to Mama Fruit. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Mama Fruit, but she's a therapist. <laughs> and she knew that she couldn't work with me. I'm her daughter. Um, but she knew how important therapy was going to be for me. And had you done and, therapy prior to the accident? No. And I had not done therapy prior to the accident and I knew what, I knew what it was and what, yeah. what it was about. Um, at that time I thought I was announcing at due tour. I had lived like yeah. I was very lucky. So I shouldn't go to therapy because I was fine. Yeah. But then I began to realize, um, so I was a grant recipient for this company called High Fives Foundation, which gives out grants to athletes who have encountered life-changing injuries in the outdoors and want to get back to it. And so my mom said that they had already paid for my therapy. And so if I didn't go, I'd be wasting all their money. Yeah. And she knew how to get me because I can't waste anyone's money ever. Oh, and yeah. the the truth is, is that they had not actually, and it was not set up. Ah, okay, okay. So she just, she, she told me and then I, and I went and I spent the whole first session sobbing. And after I had gone a couple of times now, I think it's one of the most fortunate things that ever happened in my life. So I'm a big supporter of getting support mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for brain and, and acknowledging it and being able to talk through with a third party who has no t stake in it. Yeah. And then the second thing, again, Mama Fruit um, wanted me to go back to college so that I could perform and I could have, I could have things to do. People could grade me, you know, things could happen. Um, and so we actually um, were going to a Bernie Sanders rally and mm -hmm. she walked in and she found the Westminster kids and brought me right there and kept me talking. And then they were like, Oh my gosh, Jamie, you should, you should just go. You should just apply. You should just go for a tour or something. And so I went for the tour and the Dean of admissions had heard about my story, knew who I was, was like, if you say you're coming, you're in. And so very quickly I just, got into college and I started going and it was very helpful. And some, some finals weeks I'm like, cause literally my plan was for somebody to grade me on my performance, yeah. not to do with a brain injury. And cause I didn't have any disability help and for me to have things that commitments I had to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And on finals weeks, I'm like, do I really want to have all these commitments and yeah. do I really want the yeah. grades? Let's think about this. Yeah. <laughs> But that experience was wonderful. And so those yeah. two, two things, I would say to find support and then also to, whether it's a book club or find something to commit to yeah. and accomplish things.
Extremely well said. You're a motivation to many and you're a successful public speaker. What I'm curious about are your fondest memories of telling your story. Because I know that when you tell your story, there's always going to be people who come up to you afterwards who say, you know, that meant a lot to me because of X, Y, and Z. So what were those moments? What have been times where you've shared your story with someone else, with a stranger, and that has left the biggest impact on you? Oh, the biggest, there's been a, there's been a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, just about every time when I perform and people come up, that makes an impact. One of the biggest things is when someone comes up to me and they're crying um, and they, they tell me how they can relate to it, which means a lot to me. Because mm-hmm. when I tell my story, it's not about me and it's not about what I went through. Yes, it's a great story. So it is telling my story, mm-hmm. but I, I'd like it to be something that you can relate to. And you can find out how when you're climbing up the mountain of life and a metaphorical avalanche slides you down, how do you climb an alternative peak? How do you decide to take that first step? And, and what do you do when you're climbing and then you go through the valleys a little bit more? How do you keep confident and not get depressed? And so it is very moving to me when somebody comes up to me after a performance with tears in their eyes and tells me their personal story and yeah. how they feel like they can relate. And now they feel like they're going to set an attainable goal tomorrow and mm. they're going to do these things. And it, you can just see them. They come up to me and they're like crying yeah. and then they leave and they're just glowing and yeah. they, they got confidence and yeah. that makes me feel wonderful. Yeah. And I'm sure you're glowing as well. Cause it, that is incredible. <laughs> Tell me about your podcast. So life gets mo crazy, the premise and what was the inspiration for its creation? Life Gets Mo Crazy. About three years ago, I was interviewed on the Brain Injury Radio Network by a host, Donna Figurski. Mm-hmm. And she interviewed me and she liked it so much, she interviewed me again on Brain Injury. And then she asked if I would like to have my own show on the network. And I said, yeah, <laughs> that sounds really fun. Um, and so I started it. And and then it's just been growing and changing. And recently, within this fall, we actually switched platforms. And what I love about it is, like I said, I love talking. <laughs> and on top of that, I love listening. And so I Very love Very rare trait for talkers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I only like listening if you have something interesting to say. <laughs> and Fair luckily... Enough. luckily the people I interview have such interesting things to say. And so what it's about is the whole idea, um, which Mo Crazy Strong represents, is when you're climbing up the mountain of life, when you get caught in a metaphorical avalanche, how do you decide to climb an alternative peak? How do you find the best views? And a lot of it comes with like mindset, thinking creatively, changes. And so I interview people, individuals who've either encountered a life-changing trauma or are the caregivers of someone in their family who have or are are medical professionals who their job is revolved around helping people who've encountered trauma. Very cool. So I actually was um, interviewing someone today who he, in 2013, he crashed and he broke his back Mm -hmm. and he became paralyzed from the neck down. And he regained walking, did some Red Bull TV stuff. And he's just a super interesting person. His name is Mike Shaw. 
Um, but when I listen to these people, it makes me feel so inspired. And I, I can only hope that my audience feels the same is anyone can encounter any kind of trauma. It does not have to necessarily be um, breaking your back and becoming paralyzed and recovering from that. It could be losing your job. It could be, you know, moving or the death of someone you love or anything can happen. And everyone encounters different forms of trauma throughout their life. And the more successful you overcome it is just by being happy, loving your current self. And it's really nice to hear stories of people who overcome and climbed giant mountains. Incredibly well said. Trauma is unfortunately unavoidable. So I think that is a very accurate statement. And as, as you mentioned, everyone encounters trauma. Well, right now with COVID-19, the entire globe is encountering an unexpected trauma. Yeah. That's what happened is within a month, we went from life being normal to mm -hmm. not being, to being on quarantine and not allowed to go places. And all of a sudden jobs were letting people go and everyone feels overwhelmed and they're being affected. And they're like, I didn't do this to myself because mm -hmm. you don't do that. You don't yeah. have control. And the lack of control is one of the scariest things about a trauma is you have no control of it, it happening, but you do have control over the actions you take and the outcomes you create. Spot on. And I think you're, I think you're right. That was the probably the most challenging thing for many emotionally is the, just the uncertainty of what was going on. I think that's incredibly accurate and, and a great point. I respect that, that you brought that up, that we've all now experienced trauma in the last year. As a ski ambassador, you've traveled the world. So I'm curious as the slopes that have created the fondest memories, the ones that you're like, next time I get a chance, I am going to this location. Ah, oh, there are so many slopes. I, wonderful. This is good. <laughs> that I've created. Um, one of the things that I loved was going down to New Zealand and mm -hmm. down in the towns and stuff, especially when we went for spring camp, which is our fall yeah. on the other hemisphere, their spring. And it would be green. You'd see all these flowers blooming. And then you would drive up to the mountain. And then it was high in elevation and they were snow capped. Yeah. And so you could go skiing. Um, another thing that was really cool in like France and Germany and Austria, that whole area of Western Europe, yeah. skiing is so big. Mm -hmm. And it's such a big deal and it's all the t on the television all the time. And so when I went to European X Games and we were staying in a ski and ski out hotel, like it was really close. It was like a 10 minute, five minute walk to the chairlift. And from the bottom of the chairlift back to like the, <laughs> the hotel, which was maybe even less than five minutes, super close. It took me an hour to get there because everyone's just like taking pictures and mm -hmm. like wanting my signal and fanning over it. And that was really exciting. And people would even recognize me sometimes in the airport there, which is right, interesting because well. like in the US, like <laughs> no one knows who I am. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. in Europe at that time, they'd be like, oh, Jimmy, <laughs> like, uh, and, it, and it was all recorded so much. So, so that was really cool. And the, and the whole like vibe of it too. Mm -hmm. I loved it because you'd go skiing and then everyone, besides even the people involved in the competition would just go a pre-ski for hours after. Yeah. So it was like a long event and the mountains are giant. Um, so that was, that was really cool. You are incredibly active, always working on new things, always working on new mountains to climb new views, like you said. So what are your future goals, projects, plans for 2021? 
Well, I have a lot of goals and plans <laughs> for great. 2021. Like we said at the beginning, ambitious, ambitious little girl over here. I love it. <laughs> um, so a lot of what happened all through 2020 was I actually was working a lot on my mm. speaking career. So in 2019 is when I graduated from Westminster College. So before that, I had been speaking for years, but I was just telling my story conversation like I would also go to events but I it was not my profession I was going to college and that's where my focus was and then once I graduated I wanted to turn into a professional speaker um, and there's a lot that goes into that actually and there's a lot to get on the boards and get, get represented and all sorts of information background stuff and then so I was working on it in the fall and then the pandemic hit and so mm -hmm. I had to switch around and go virtual and keep it going and so one of the things I've learned from an unexpected trauma because like I said I had experienced that so with COVID I was experiencing a lot of similarities again you're not expecting it and all you can do is control what you currently can control mm -hmm. and so what I could do was I started studying neuroscience um, at Harvard and that's something I would like to continue I am going to continue doing and so continue my studying of neuroscience and starting to work on proposing actually last year I was working on this too and I got up to the point where Echo Entertainment which produces X Games was going to produce a documentary and they were actually had already booked their tickets to fly out and then COVID hit and they lost millions of dollars in 24 hours and they put a hold on it. And um, we've started working, we're working with some other companies and talking about that. So that's a goal that I have is to make a movie about my injury. Um, so then, you know, what I what happened in the hospital was I was just foreseeing the future. Um, and and that the, po the biggest point of that movie is to show how valuable support is because I had such incredible support from my family and beyond. And so the different techniques that can go into overcoming trauma. And also my little sister, Jeannie, is um, finishing up a novel and we're talking to publishing companies. So that's another goal to get it to the stage of being published. Um, and it's about my accident. She saw it in person and she was at the competition. And so as of right now, and more speaking gigs, I'd love to share my story a lot more. And so it all comes down to a lot of the background stuff. We've been working really, really hard on creating all of these goals to come, come true. And like I mentioned with my accident, I have these growth goals um, for my career and for Mo Crazy Strong. and ways I want to go and so we've been taking lots of steps setting lots of attainable goals accomplishing them moving along and so soon we're going to get to the point where you can actually see the fruitation and you can actually acknowledge it and it'll happen and you'll say wow that's so lucky but we created our luck by the actions that we took luck is when preparation and opportunity meet I think that you're yes. exactly spot on with the actions that you took causing luck how can people Follow along with your journey and how can they find out more information about being Mo Crazy? Wonderful. Yeah. More information about being Mo Crazy. Mo Crazy Strong. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Mo Crazy Strong is our Instagram handle, mm -hmm. and we're always posting stories and videos, and it's a pretty fun handle to follow. And then um, MoCrazyStrong.com is mm -hmm. the website. And Life Gets Mo Crazy. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Mm -hmm. So you just go on your Apple Podcasts and you just type in Life Gets Mo Crazy, subscribe, and then download the different episodes. And those are the great ways to follow us. Well, this was awesome. I'm excited to see what's next for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Jamie. Make sure to give her a follow on Instagram, Mo Crazy Strong on Instagram, and her website, MoCrazy.com. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento.